Thank you. Good morning and Happy New Year. I know everybody's looking at me funny going, Happy New Year? Wait a minute. Well, tonight at sundown begins the biblical festival of the Feast of Trumpets. We know it as Rosh Hashanah. So at sundown tonight, it will be the year 5,780 for me. Be 57.80. So tonight I get, I'll go home, I'll get apples and honey, and that's the traditional food for Rosh Hashanah, apples and honey. Why? Well, it reminds us of having a fruitful and a sweet new year. Now, Joe, I don't understand this cabbage and hog jowl stuff. I've never understood that. I mean, what is that saying? Have a fat and gassy new year? <laughs> I, that just doesn't make sense to me. Apples and honey, that makes sense. But for the last year, we have spent, well, really for the last month particularly, the last month we spent a lot of time on what we call teshuva, repentance. Getting ready for this day during this time of year. In fact, there's probably at this time of year more emphasis placed on repentance and the synagogues and probably most of Christianity. It's because during this time of year, there's a lot of things that takes place. In the next two weeks, we're going to have three very important festivals. Tonight starts one of them. We said Rosh Hashanah, which Rosh Hashanah you find in the book of Leviticus. It says it's a day of remembrance. It is a day in which the shofars, the ram horn, is blown. And of course, for Christianity, many people look at this time of year as being a horn that is blown, a ram's horn that is blown for the church. So it's a very important time of year. On this day, it said that the binding of Isaac took place. But we're also preparing for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement which will be actually 11 days from right now. During that time, we really do a lot of introspection, a lot of soul-searching. And one of the things that we do may seem a little bit odd to, to some of you, but on Yom Kippur, we actually have what we call the Vidai. The Vidai is the confessions. And we'll actually take our right hand and we'll strike our chest as a group, as we make some of these confessions. Now, some of these may not apply to everyone, but as Jews, we believe that every Jew is responsible for every other Jew. And so we say it communally as if we were all responsible for it. But the one that really gets me is we'll strike our chest and we'll say, forgive us, for we have failed to see your hand in our daily life. Instead, we chalk everything up to either fate or coincidence, not realizing that it was your hand at work in my life. Now, I want you to just stop and think about that. And how guilty are any of us in this? How many times have we said, you know, coincidentally, oh yeah, my car broke down, and coincidentally there was a guy down the road that repaired that car? No. Or how many times have we said, well, it 
just so happens that, no. In Jewish mindset, it's all done for a reason because we recognize what he's been doing in our life. In fact, one of the, the questions that people ask me is, and I, I love it when a lot of people get to Israel, they love to ask Jews this question. Do you believe in miracles? Of course, the obvious reaction is, duh. Have you looked at the Jewish people? We make up less than 2% of the entire world's population. But look what less than 2% does. Look at the influence of just less than 2%. Look at the nation of Israel. Israel makes up 0.08% of the Middle East. Yet everybody in the world wants it. But yet it survives everything. Of course, we said that this is a festival. I have to joke around with you and, and, and tell you that, you know, you can sum up all of our festivals with this one phrase. They tried to destroy us. We won. Let's eat. Because that fits. But it's because we realize that, yes, it was very much God's hand at work in our life. You know, oftentimes I hear people say, if I could only see a miracle, then I would believe. Then I would change. And, of course, we, we ask, what are you waiting for? The splitting of the Red Sea? What are you waiting for? Because there's miracles all around us every day. Maybe our definition of miracle is a little bit different. You see, I, I think probably the best definition I ever heard of a miracle came from a rabbi. He said, a miracle then is actually seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary and the supernatural in the natural. As Jews, we see that there are two types of miracles. Number one is that con uh, concealed milk miracle. We can also call, talk about a revealed miracle. And, of course, a revealed miracle is what? Revealed miracle is that open miracle. That's one of those things that defies nature, like the splitting of the Red Sea, right? Or manna falling, that goes totally against nature. Or the, the standing of the sun when the sun doesn't set. That defies nature. That is an obvious miracle. And though, of course, we know that those are kind of infrequent and obvious. But then we have that concealed one. Concealed miracle, it places itself out through natural means. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever had something like you applied for a job and you didn't get that job? And you thought, man, I really needed this job. But then later on, a year, two years from now, something happens and you realize, wow, if that had happened, this wouldn't have happened. I would have missed the tr this tremendous blessing if I'd accepted this back then. Well... As Jews, we look at that as what? That's a concealed miracle. 
And it, it, it's true. I mean, there's been several times in my life that these things have happened. Now, Joe, I have to admit, as a type A personality, patience is not my greatest virtue. And, you know, traveling as much as I do, it's inevitable. The car would break down in the most inconvenient time and place. And I can remember several times when I was first starting out traveling that I would go, what, you couldn't let the car break down in Dallas? No, you wait till I'm in Timbuktu and there's nothing around. And what does it mean I have to wait for a week to get the part? You know, I'm used to, you know, in Dallas, you just go get it. And if they don't have it, sit, you know, jump in your car, go get the part, just get it done. But it would always happen that way. And I used to, to fuss at God and go, why? Couldn't you have let this happen here? It wasn't until a little bit later I started to realize that, well, this was in his plan too. Sometimes it was because I needed to meet somebody that I needed to minister to. Sometimes it was me that needed to be ministered to. One particular time, I was up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'd driven there, no problem. I'd stopped several times, no problem. I got to the church, I unloaded a bunch of material, went back to my motel room, got ready to come to the church, got in my car, and it wouldn't start. I called the, the pastor and said, hey, do you have a Nissan mechanic around that I could hire to, to come and take care of it? Thirty minutes later, I got the knock on the door. It was the head mechanic for Nissan in that vicinity. He was a member of the church. And he said, I tell you what, if you will, if you will let me work on it after hours, I won't charge you anything. Except for the parts, and the church is going to pay for the parts. And I said, okay, that's fine, that's cool. Well, the youth minister, uh, I'm sorry, the music minister and his wife had an extra car, so they gave me the keys to the car and said, hey, while you're in the area, why don't you just use our car? Okay. You see, I've become very disillusioned at this point. I've been on the road for a long time, and I'd seen a lot of stuff, and I was at that point where I was going, God, when I finish this, when I finish this tour, that's it. You can get somebody else. I'm tired of it. Get someone else. That's why my car broke down there. They also decided that I was going to be in Wisconsin for a couple of months. This was in October. I'm going to be there for a couple of months. And they said, uh, you're not dressed, dressed appropriately. I said, yeah, sure I am. I've got some jackets and sweaters with me. They said, no, you don't understand. You're not dressed appropriately. You're not ready for this code. Well, later I found out because I drove across Lake Winnebago. Yeah, that's ungodly when you can drive across the lake. Yeah, that was cold. They took me and they got me a, a full-length wool jacket and a, and a scarf and new pair of shoes and so forth. I'm thinking, okay, 
This is a German church. I'm Jewish. They're fattening me up for the kill. I just knew it. The pastor said, okay, here, this is Carol. She's my secretary. She's going to be your secretary for the next couple of weeks while, you, while you're right here. And I'm going, okay. I still, didn't, still felt like I was being fattened up for the kill. But later on, I realized that, no, I was the one that really needed to be ministered to here. Now, they'll swear that I was the one that ministered to them. But in reality, the truth is, I needed it. So, what happened? Well, yeah. Could I say a miracle took place? Well, for me, yes. You see, you don't notice it until after it happens. And even then, you have to connect the dots to really see the emerging pattern. But now the question is, why don't we see concealed miracles? I hear people say all the time, I've never seen a miracle. Really? Look around you. The fact that you're alive, your birth was a miracle. When you look at the sun in the morning and realize the sun has come up, isn't that a miracle? Everything around us. But part of it is that we can't often see the forest for the trees. Now, there's a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Akiva. And he had this famous phrase. In fact, anybody remember uh, the comedian? His name was Jerry. What? Not Seinfeld. <laughs> Jerry Lewis. Good Jewish boy. At one time, he had a television show, and the day that he ended his show, he ended it with a Hebrew phrase, Gamzu Latovan. This, too, is for the good. But it came from that, that famous rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. He was the one that really first started using that phrase. And he first used the phrase after some events took place in his life. He was going through this village, and it was getting close to sundown. It was getting ready for the Sabbath, and he was trying to find a place to stay. And every house he would go, they would refuse him entrance. So finally he came to the last house, and once again they were inhospitable. They did not allow him to come in and stay. So he went to the top of a hill, went to the other side of the hill, and there he made camp. Well... His plan was to light his lantern, sit down and study Scripture. Because it's the beginning of Shabbat. It's the beginning of Sabbath. That's, that's one of the things we do. What happened? A mighty wind came and blew out his lantern. And the wind is sustaining. So he can't relight his lantern again. So he decides, well, what else can I do but go to sleep? During the middle of the night, this critter came and Killed his rooster. That rooster was his alarm clock, and now he has no alarm clock to wake him up in the morning. Another predator came and killed his donkey. And the donkey was what carried all of his stuff with him. 
Now he has nothing to carry all of his stuff. And he's thinking, How, you know, what else can go wrong? Well, he goes back to sleep. He wakes up the next morning. And on the other side of the hill, he could see smoke. As he went to the top of the hill, he could see that the entire village had been burned down. And he stopped. And he thought, if that tremendous wind had not blown out my lantern, the soldiers would have seen me. If the people in the village had been hospitable to me, I too would have been killed. If the predator had not come and killed my rooster and my, my donkey, perhaps the soldiers would have heard their cries and come after me. And he stopped and he said, Gamzu la tova. This too was for the good. And he, reala he realized right then that one, a miracle had taken place. A miracle had taken place in his life. So a lot of times we don't recognize it, well, because like we said, we can't see the forest for the trees. It's only when we take a deeper look at our routine, that events in our lives, that we can start seeing this pattern develop. And that becomes the beginning of that miracle. And it's really up to us whether or not that it's going to be revealed or remain concealed, whether or not we're going to realize it. And that's why when you ask a lot of Israelis, do you believe in miracles? Even the non-religious Jews will go, duh, of course. Because in the wars for Israel, we've seen multiple, multiple miracles. Even in the last conflict that we had, we've seen miracles. I remember in 2014, we had Operation Protective Edge in Israel. And that's when you, you read about all those rockets that were being fired, remember, into to Israel from Gaza. I used to sit and laugh about this one because I would read the news. And the Arabs would say, we fired 150 missiles on this one day. One day they fired 150 rockets toward Israel. Eighty of them blew back and hit them. The rest of them just landed in the field. No casualties. But even they were going, their God was protecting them. You, you have to really understand the layout of the land to really understand this. Gaza is on the, the Mediterranean coast. And so they're firing the missiles to the, to the east and to the north. The wind is coming from the west blowing to the east. How did it blow the rockets back? You, you, you follow me? The wind's going this way. They're firing from here going that way. But somehow the wind blew them all back. Even they recognized this was the hand of God. So we've seen all kinds of miracles take place in Israel and in our lives. But then we have to ask the question too, what are some of the keys to seeing miracles. How is it that some people can see it and others don't? Well, one of the things we would say is, one of the keys is humility. And what I mean, what do I mean humility here? Acknowledging 
there's a power greater than yourself. Now, I know as type A personalities, we like to be in control. Sometimes we have to get out of the way for that miracle to happen. 1967, we regained the Temple Mount. We had it for one month. Moshe Dayan decided that we needed to give it back. He, he thought that if we gave it back to the, to the Muslims, that they would invite us to the peace table within a month. He thought that it would stop the terrorism. Moshe Dayan was a non-religious Jew. In fact, he was agnostic. He did not believe that piece of property had any meaning for the Jewish people or for Israel's future. So he was willing to give it up. A lot of the other Jews were going, no. You see, Moshe was, was afraid. He was afraid that if we flexed our muscles, that the 22 Arab countries at that time would attack us. And we didn't have an army, we thought, that could defeat 22 nations. He was also afraid that even the United States would come against Israel, that the whole UN would come against Israel. So he decided to give it back. I think we lost a tremendous opportunity for God to show his power. There were many Jews like myself that wanted to go, no, we're not giving up one grain of sand. Now, do I think, what do I think would have happened? If we had not given it up, do I think they would have attacked? Absolutely. By the way, they did it anyway. But what I do believe is I do believe that if we had held our ground, I do believe that God will have performed another miracle just as he did in the Exodus. So part of it is getting out of the way and allowing him to do something. But another one, another key is awareness. And that's where we have to pursue awareness of the possibilities of what's being sent our way. And that goes back to that statement that I said earlier when we would strike our chest and we would say, forgive us for we have failed to see your hand in our daily life. Instead, we just chalked everything up to fate or coincidence, not realizing it was you at work. And I want you to stop and think about that today. In fact, for the rest of the day, I want you to just chew on that. I want you to think about how many times that you've made that comment. Well, it's just by coincidence or accidentally or, you know, that this happened. No, it didn't happen accidentally. It was deliberate. And then also remember that this is Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. So Happy New Year. And like I said, we're getting ready for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it is a time that's very solemn. Now, Rosh Hashanah, we get to eat. We have round challah. Challah is that, the bread, the Sabbath bread that we have. And it's round to remind us that, well, 
This is the beginning of our year. And it also reminds us of the circle of life, of eternity. We get to eat apples and honey, and it's joyful. Yom Kippur, not so. Yom Kippur, we fast for 25 hours. No food, no drink for 25 hours. It is the longest 25 hours you've ever seen. We don't have to worry about going home on that day to check on the roast because we don't get it. Now, we have figured out a solution to this. Of course, in every synagogue at the end of that 25 hours, what do we do? We have a big feast. The next day, we go to the doctor and get a shot of vitamin B12 to help us recover. But then... October 13th, we start another festival called Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's another wonderful, wonderful day. It's a time, again, of celebration, but all of it is a time of introspection. And if you really want to know where you are in your relationship with God... Look at how you treat your friends. Look how you treat those around you. If you only go to your friend when you need something, chances are the only time you go to God is when you need something. So spend this time in introspection. Joe, let me go ahead and call you back. Let you call back up. I'll give it to you. Thank you for allowing me to come and to, to share with you. This is an exciting time for us. Also, as he's coming up, always watch the news in Israel. The Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Almost every year they try to set the cornerstone for the rebuilding of the temple. There's a group in Israel called the Temple uh, Faithful Movement. And always at that time of year, they always want to try to set that cornerstone. <sighs> I wish they could. So, Vashinatovah. <laughs>